All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour this Friday, uh, 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. The Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas uh, was caught on tape, leaked audio saying, uh, yeah, the border is unsustainable. These numbers can't continue. He says it as now every month it goes higher and higher and higher. It went higher, you know, from... February to March to April to May to June, now July, 212,672 illegal immigrant, illegal immigrants coming into the country that there's no, it's basically process and release. It's not detain and give them a court date. No, it's process release and then give them free transportation and disperse people all over the United States without any COVID testing in the middle of a pandemic after people have been in overcrowded Biden cages that he's built for people. I mean, that's pretty much what happens. Anyway, just just listen to this leaked audio. Oh, this is unsustainable. These numbers can continue. They're not only continuing, they're continuing to get larger every month with now July setting a new record. Listen. This is unsustainable. Uh, These numbers cannot continue. We cannot um, get to a point where we were a couple weeks ago, and we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. We're looking at the policy options. Yeah, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. And then when all else fails, now, it was the Biden administration that ended the stay in Mexico policy that was very successful that brought us to a 30-year low in terms of illegal immigrants coming into America. And, of course, the border wall construction, that stopped, too. Catch and release uh, was ended under Donald Trump, now brought back, and it's even more liberal than ever, it's process and release. But when all else fails, just blame Donald Trump for the current border crisis, not Joe's policies. There's a direct correlation. As soon as the policies changed, the numbers went up exponentially from a 30-year low and now what will be a 30-year high of illegal immigrants. But that's Trump's fault? Listen. The rise in encounters of migrants at the southern border began in April of 2020, last year, but the increase is most certainly sharper over the past several months and greater than in June. Allow me uh, to share with you the CBP enforcement numbers for July. 212,672 persons were encountered attempting entry along the southwest border, a 13% increase over June 2021. A majority continue to be single adults, specifically approximately 52%. This is a 6% decrease from June. 95,788 individuals, more than 45% of July encounters, were processed for expulsion under Title 42. Tragically, former President Trump slashed our international assistance to Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras, slash the resources that we were contributing to address the root causes of irregular migration. Another uh, reason is the end of the cruel policies of the past administration and the restoration of the rule of laws of of this country that Congress has passed, including our asylum laws that provide humanitarian relief. And thirdly and importantly is the resurgence of the economy in the United States and the gleam of the American promise once again. 
the restoration of the rule of law. You've got to be kidding me. They're not only not enforcing the law. You see, the law says you're not allowed to enter the country without our permission. You have to respect our laws, borders, and sovereignty. The only people not respecting the law are the people that are entering illegally, aided and abetted by Mayorkas, Biden, Harris, and and all the Democrats that don't seem to care at all uh, about the high rate of COVID positivity. You know, we now see the DHS having to admit, yeah, coronavirus positive border crosses are increasingly arriving. You think? They're the ones that they they took the policies that were working, that were keeping people home. I'm not sure what he's saying here is that if we don't pay a ransom to countries that people are going to come here. Is that that's that's what it sounded like to me. The only way to keep people in their countries is to give them money to stay in their country. No, we can control our own borders. That would be that would be the decision the Trump administration followed. You know, you've got leaked video that just came out. Hundreds of people at this camp for COVID positive migrants, you know, but we're not even testing most of the people. We put them in overcrowded cages in the middle of a pandemic, and then we ship them out and disperse them all over the country. And they're not even telling states that they're dropping people at their, right on their front door. Former CB Customs and Border Patrol Chief Mark Morgan even said that uh, the Homeland Security of, of Joe Biden released potentially 40,000 coronavirus-positive illegal immigrants into the U.S. What does that mean? That means they're going to infect innocent Americans. And some will be hospitalized, just just a matter of math at that point. And some will die as a result of the, these open border policies, aiding and abetting the law-breaking that's going on. Yeah, you know, Biden orders ICE agents not to arrest and deport people that they find. Well, that's not enforcing the law. That's not what the law says. That's just making up your laws because you don't like the laws that we have. Uh, but they are they have resumed their Cuban deportation plans. If you come by sea, you can't get in. Why? Because why? they think the people that are coming from Cuba might be more inclined to vote Republican. I don't know. I'm a little suspicious based on everything else they've done. Brandon Judd is the president of the National Border Patrol Council, 20-year active Border Patrol vet. And Cesar Yabara is back with us, uh, senior director of legislative affairs at FreedomWorks. Um, well, okay, uh, Mr. Yabara, you tell me, am I describing accurately the real conditions at the border and the real cause? Is Joe Biden not enforcing the law? <clears throat> Sean, you're exactly right. The current crisis at the southern border was created by President Biden Vice President Harris's open borders rhetoric and their dismantlement of Trump-era border security policies. Fact is, majority of Americans want strong borders, especially those who live, who live along the border. Many of them are Hispanics, Sean, who want to live in safe communities and free from cr- criminality. The evidence is shown by the recent mayoral election in McAllen, Texas. An overwhelmingly Hispanic border town just elected a Hispanic Republican into office. Law and order, border security, and good government Good governance is the message that got Mayor Villalobos elected. The left's disdain for the rule of law will continue to drive Hispanics to a Republican candidates and give us a shot at taking back the House and the Senate majority, Sean. Brandon, I read the GAO report came out earlier this year that showed that as high as 35 percent of Border Patrol agents have contracted COVID-19. Dozens apparently have died as a result of contracting this horrible disease. Uh, and are these numbers of of 
and estimates of as high as 20 percent of people entering the country illegally are COVID positive? Uh, so it's going to be a lot higher than that. And the, and the reason why we can't give you an exact number is because we don't test everybody like what you said. When we take people into custody and we release them with an NTA or an NTR, we're transporting them to non-governmental organizations. Um, whether they test them or not, we don't know. Whether or not they give the government the uh, what those tests come back as, whether they're positive or negative, we just don't know. So there's no way to say that. But of the ones that we hold in custody and that we do test, it's more than 20%. So it stands to reason that a large number of these people uh, have COVID that they're bringing into the United States. But more importantly, I'd like to take uh, Secretary Mayorkas to task when he says that this is unsustainable, he's absolutely correct. It is unsustainable, yet he's the only secretary that I've ever seen come to the border and not have solutions or programs or policies that he's going to put in place to address this issue. He also blames this on Trump and says that this is Trump's fault because he slashed uh, the, the funding that we're giving these countries, yet they didn't come under Trump. So how is that? We, he, Trump slashes the funding, yet they don't come, but now it's his fault. This doesn't make sense. And if the mainstream media was honest, they would fact check him and they would take him to task for what he's saying. because He's lying to the American public and he's misleading them. By the way, that's a joke that they're going to be honest, right? You're kidding. You you don't really expect something like that to ever happen, do you? Um, I don't. I can only hope. You know, I mean, you you talk to people. um, I, I know the great people at FreedomWorks have done a lot of studying about what's happening down there. We've had our own reporters on the ground almost the entire time investigating. Everything the media mob is is saying about it, which is little, is not true. They're not highlighting and focusing on what's what's been going on, the high rate of COVID positivity, the overcrowded cages. The Biden administration has successfully now you know, drawn attention away from it for most media outlets. Except for, you know, a few shows like mine, I don't think anybody else is showing any of this. That's right, Sean. And the hypocrisy by the Biden-Harris administration cannot be more clear. Biden wants to require federal employees, including our brave military service members, to get vaccinated. The administration is calling on schools to require kids to wear dirty masks all day. But undocumented immigrants who test positive for COVID are being released across in cities across the country. This is the kind of hypocrisy that demonstrates that the COVID-19 mandates are more about control than actually protecting our most vulnerable citizens. Every American, Democrat or Republican, should be outraged by this administration's lack of will to secure border and enforce the rule of law. Now, you're for, you were born in Mexico. You became a naturalized citizen after moving to Southern California. And I know you helped. You know, for example, aside from managing legislative affairs, drive the organization's message in, in the Hispanic community. Um, I've been down to the border everywhere from the Rio Grande straight through San Diego. And I got to tell you something. I, it, it's sad in San Diego, for example. I remember one particular report I did is, you know, on one side of the border, you have a beautiful American town with half million million dollar homes in the neighborhood that's right across the border. And. Then I look across and the side of Mexico and, and it looks like, you know, broken down, dilapidated, you know, homes put together with string and and whatever they can find and kids playing in what we would look, view as the equivalent of a, a almost like a junkyard with old tires piled upon old tires and other stuff. It's sad if I was on that side of the border, I'd want to come here, too. Now, we do have a process, though, to do it and do it legally. 
That's exactly right, Sean. And funny you mentioned that region. You know, I grew up on the San Diego uh, Tijuana border on both on both. So you know cities, exactly so I, the what the the image I'm describing. Am I accurate? Uh, you're exactly right, Sean. You know, and and I think that Republicans need to need to take action. If we do take back the majority, we need to secure the border. We need to reform our legal immigration system to make it merit merit based and give people a shot at the American dream, just like me and my family were afforded. And also work with business leaders to implement a national e-verify program because a lot of this is going to be working is going to take the federal government working with industry to ensure that they are hiring people who are eligible to work and not promoting the the criminality of, uh, you know, undocumented people uh, working in the United States. So it's going to take a big cooperation between the feds and the uh, and, and civil society and, the, and, and, and business industry to to make this all work. You know, I just I just look at this and it's one of these problems that we know how to solve. We had it. We had it all resolved under Donald Trump. Anyway, I want to thank you, Cesar Yabara. Thank you, Brandon Judd. Thank you. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll get back to the phones. And our final half hour, only your calls, 800-941-SEAN, our number on this Friday. Just making sure you can get three hours a day wherever you are. This is the Sean Hannity Show, now on 650 stations. Sean Hannity. All right, back to our busy phones. Tom is in New Jersey. Hey, Tom, how are you? Glad you called. I'm good, Sean. How are you doing? I'm good, sir. What's going on? You know, I'm just getting tired of this, Sean. This, uh, everything at the border is just getting worse and worse. And we don't have enough people power to to handle this. And thank God Sarah Clark is down there, like, all the time. I watch your reports with her, and thank God she's keeping us uh, abreast of what's going on down there. I mean, but, but the problem is, it's like it's only us and maybe a couple of other shows. Laura, you know, just a few of us. There's not many of us doing it. Sean, and and the stories are the there. Paper. Yeah, I don't see it anywhere. Only on your show. Only on Fox. Sad. Right? Forget CNN. They're, they're going down the tubes. Thank okay. God. It's a, do you realize for 20, what was it, 24 straight weeks? Did you read that, Linda? They didn't even crack a million viewers. I can't believe I mean, that it was even a question. Well, I mean, they got a little bounce after the election. I mean, that that happens. There's a certain cycle, news cycle, that impacts uh, viewership. And, and usually after elections, people need a little bit of a break. And then, believe me, they're back in droves now. And, you know, if I, I, w- I wouldn't survive if my, if my audience was that that negligible i just wouldn't survive i mean it's been what um you know what somebody told me this linda you're gonna get a kick out of this next year i might be the longest serving primetime cable news host in cable news history i'm like oh gee there's something to celebrate it's that crazy. just means i'm getting old man i'm like oh jeez. now nah, you use chamonix you look younger than ever I'm right. I'm telling you, everybody swears by it. I mean, you swear by it. you've been using it for years. I just, I just love the people at Chamonix. They're just nice people. George, Agreed. everybody, their entire team. I love how everyone tries to rip them off and duplicate them, and they can't. They're just exactly smarter than right. everybody else. They've um, been with us hey, the listen. longest. They're awesome. Oh, yeah, they're great. All right, 25 to the top of the hour on a Friday. Aren't you glad it's Friday? I'm so glad it's Friday. Oh, man. Linda, you glad it's Friday? You know what you need to do this weekend? You need to do something out of the box and something very different. Okay. Take your six-year-old Liam to McDonald's. Uh-huh. 
and get him a Happy that, Meal. His that's first unique meal. and different, the, seriously? And, and t- well, yeah, because you've never done it. And if you do it, you say, Uncle Sean wanted you to have this special present. And then, then without you brainwashing him and prepping him, then I want to call him and ask him if he liked it. Then uh-huh. I want to ask him an important question. Now, whose French fries do you like better? Mom's air fried French fries or real French fries from McDonald's? Is I already know the answer. Real French fries from McDonald's. No, he's going to love my food. I'm his mother. He loves me. I'm his favorite. Okay, you say that, but I'm telling you, he's going to like the other fries better. Put it up on a, as a question. I'm, I'm, I just can't win with you. Put it up as a question on Hannity.com. What uh-huh. are better, air fried French fries or McDonald's French fries? That's assuming that most people in the country have an air fryer, which they don't. Okay. That's not a common thing. Okay. And then say, please only vote if you've ever had air fried French fries. I actually have had them. And And I can tell you it's not even close. Not even close. First of all, we cannot talk to you about this because we have to grade on a curve with you. When I, when we traveled in this past month and we had to have meals as a team. Okay. I literally could say we don't need anything on that certain plate of that certain type of food except salt. That was all you wanted. (laughs) <laughs> so we're clearly not grading That's on an even true. scale is, here. The audience did, knows did, that you are a salt what did, I, what did I order? I don't even remember. Do you remember? Do you want me to share it with the audience? Because it's gross. Yeah, of course. I don't care. Okay, sure. So we, we brought cans of Campbell's soup, chicken noodle, that you do not dilute with water, that you just eat no, out just of the can. just a little bit. Just a tiny, tiny bit. You're full like of bologna. Less than, like about a third of a can of water. Uh-huh. And then I ordered you chicken wings correct chicken what? wings no I, sauce no sauce no buffalo sauce no, no sauce. hot sauce just <laughs> no sauce salt. no sauce at all <laughs> no sauce at all this is me putting the order in and the girl saying to me i'm sorry i don't, I don't understand what you're saying I'm like yeah i just want chicken oh, regular chick plain chicken fried wings, wings and right. then we're gonna put salt on it and she's like all right uh, it was That's bizarre exactly what i did it's and disgusting Uncle james liked them he loved them First of all, James is your brother. He's always going to support you, and he's he's a, no, he's he the ju- easiest I, he eater even I know. Said to me, these are like the best wings I've ever had. Right, James? Correct. Say it. Correct. Correct. There you go. Uh huh. I'm not going to get between you and your brother. He's, he's not. He's my brother-in-law, but he's still my brother. Oh my, my God! First Jesus. of all, he's what? been your brother-in-law for a gajillion years. So at this point, he's your brother. You and I both know that. That's correct. He's. The, I believe he's the brother that I always wanted my whole life. That's 100%. correct. So don't I split hairs like on the in-law. Anyways. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Anyways. But you he's, eat gross he's stuff. Also the, uh, there's a reason we call him sweet baby James is because he's the nicest guy in the whole wide world. I'm not, I am not as nice I actually a have a different theory on that name. I think we what? call him sweet baby James so that nobody knows that he's actually a military guy who will cut oh, you no, he, if you he cross he the line. Serve, he was in the Navy. He served in the Navy. <laughs> Um, you don't like cross Davey me, baby. And probably was going to for life, but I stopped him. But um, <laughs> you know, um, well, there was nothing wrong. And and here's the problem: you're, you're describing my eating habits as if there's something wrong with it. I, I I had a dinner a while back with some some friends, and we all talked about what we like to order. And they all go through, oh, when I go to this fancy hotel, I like to order this. And I, I'm like, well, if they have really good New England clam chowder, I'm always interested. And then I said, I really usually just prefer the kids' menu. Grilled cheese with bacon, mac and cheese, spaghetti with marinara sauce, or a cheeseburger. That's what I usually like to order. And or you said this to a group a of strangers? This is a group of strangers or people you knew? No, the, uh, half the people I didn't know. 
Uh-huh. We were just hanging out. We were, it was a social situation I had to deal with. Oh, so I'm, just, I'm asking. Jeez. <laughs> well, you know how social that I am. So I'm nice. a total loser. I mean, if uh-huh. anybody understood what my life was really like, would, wouldn't they think I'm a loser? They would. No, I don't think so. You just like to be home. Okay. I, I, I stay home. Why do I stay home, though? Because I love my job. I think it's an honor to do this. And I'm as disciplined as a Marine. I get up. I work out. I study. I go to the studio. I do my radio show. I take, you know, a little snack break, whatever it is that I'm eating. And then I, I get Your right back stick. to studying and writing. And I do my next show. And then I, you know, try to fall asleep as best I can, as fast as I can, which is usually a few hours later, catch up on some calls. But I'm usually studying for the next day already before I go to bed. Yeah. And then I get up you're and do a hard it all worker. Again. You also you also have two full time jobs on the air as well as several other jobs, not the least of which is being a dad. So you have a lot going Correct. on, just like most Americans who believe, you know, in, in not getting a stimulus check and actually working. So there's a lot of people that are hustling out there. I I want to. So they work. can relate to you. That's everybody I know in life. I don't know, and it's and you don't. You know, everyone, why do you do it for, I don't do this for money. I do it because I love our country. I, I have one motivation now. And well, it's just, I think that that bears repeating because there's a lot of people who don't realize that when you started out in radio, you know, radio is not this glamorous <laughs> thing. You don't make any money. Yeah. Like none. You know, you're broke as a joke. Uh, but, but listen, I, I worked for free for years. My first paid gig wasn't until 1990. I started in 87. My first paid gig was 1990, and I made a whopping $19,000 a year. 87 was... more money doing being a contractor. Where was 87? Is that California, or is that Rhode Island? Yeah, that's California. Right, okay. And then 90 was... one hour a week show. And then by the time I left Alabama, I was doing not only the afternoon show for three hours, I was doing the morning show for three hours. I like Joe Pags. You don't even like the morning. Oh, God, I hated it. Oh, I You're not really a morning I, host. I wouldn't want to wake up the hand. Well, this is terrible. I shouldn't admit this. I'll probably be fined by the FCC, but I would assume the statute of limitations are long dead and gone now. But it was a a fifty thousand watt station. But uh, or that, but at night it powered down to like two hundred and fifty. And in the wintertime, you oh, didn't damn. power up it supposedly until seven thirty. And I'm like, if I'm coming in to work. I'm not coming in and people can't hear me. And I just, you know, really didn't look at what the actual times were. When I went on the air, the power went right up. I figured out how to do it. Believe it or not, the technical genius that I am. Uh, you are a very technical And I used to crank individual. that sucker right up. Mm-hmm. Was that back when you were splicing tape with a marker? Yeah, I used to do, I used to do all my own production by slicing tape, yeah. I mean... Those were the days, especially because you love production so much. No, it's not that. I mean, it's... I did it because I wanted to learn. I mean, I I couldn't do it now because I can't do the computer processing stuff that you guys do, which makes it infinitely easier. Okay, so I got a question for you. Ready? Katie and I are talking, and we had we've had this call, and since we're having a a, sort of a free moment here, I'll ask it now. So we've had callers call in and ask, Mm -hmm. "What is your most memorable moment on radio, and what is your favorite moment on radio?" Oh boy, that's hard. I told the story. you know, people ask me all the time, what do you like better, TV or radio? And I just say, I like it all. What do I, my, my most favorite moment? I realized the power of radio when I told the story about the guy that told me he took a bottle of pills and drank a quart of gin and was saying goodbye because he was killing himself. And when I finally got the location out of him, within a minute, literally, you know, dozens of cars and an ambulance descended on him. 
and save this guy's life. Um, that was a pretty that, that that woke me up to the power of radio and that I wasn't really thinking about and the responsibility that comes along with it. Um, but I, I you know, I, I like every every part of it. I mean, but like I, a happy it, memory, like that's that's one of those moving memories where you save somebody's you know, life, but like mean, a happy it's memory. Not, it's I, I tell you what I've enjoyed the most is getting to know and meet listeners. I think, you know, when you're on the road, it's hard. But when you meet, you know, it's like a family. Radio is a heart medium. It's very different than television. And television, I can just roll my eyes or make a face and I can communicate in part that way. But when you go out and you meet people and you and and I talk to people and I learn their stories and I see their struggles and I know the importance of education and and the importance of lower taxes and the importance of less government and the whatever's important at the time, I realize the importance of of what the role politics plays in our life because it impacts every aspect of our lives. And I just like being a spoke in the wheel. Everybody thinks, well, you must think you're a big shot. No, not at all. I just think I'm a spoke. Just like every voter is a spoke in the wheel. Everybody's doing their part. When everyone does their part, we can fix things. And, you know, that's the thrill of victory when you win election years and the agony of defeat when you don't. And but you never stop. The the fight for freedom never ends. And and that's something that's just ingrained in my DNA. I, I don't know why, as a young kid, I listen to talk radio, never imagining I'd ever have the chance to do it. And then I get the chance to do it. Then they took away the chance to do it. Then I wanted it more, more than anything else in the world. And I've been, you know, doing it now 33 years since I started. And it's been the greatest journey in my life. And I feel blessed to be behind this microphone every day. I thank the people that make this possible at the end of the show, I often say, you make this show possible. Thank you for that, because if you don't have listeners, you don't survive in radio. If you don't have viewers on TV, you don't survive in television. I can't believe I'm going to be the longest running primetime cable news host in history at some point next year. I mean, somebody told me that, and I said, good grief. My next question was, how many years was Johnny Carson on? Oh, I said, I'm that's like, oh, man. I but that's like a, that says Carson something left. about you, boss. That says what something, say? you know. Well, I mean, in my opinion, there have been, I mean, I've been here going on 17 years, which is a very long time. And one of the things I can say is there have been many conversations where we've said, should we cover this? Should we talk about this? Should we do this? And sometimes you just got to follow your gut. And you have done that time and again. I mean, you and I have not always agreed on everything. You're like, nah, I think I got to do it this way. Well, there have been times you've been times, downright pissed off at me because I'm not. I and vice versa. And vice versa. And we've more, both been more, wrong and right on different versa, times. vice versa, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyways, <laughs> all that to say, there are moments, but I think it speaks to the show, right? So it's like, How I'm going to cool do it this it way. How cool is the people we meet, though? When we meet oh, people. Dude, it's incredible. All walks of life. All, I mean, when I was called. Wait, can I tell you? When I was call yeah. screening. This is crazy. When I was call screening, I first started out. I'll never forget when Ricky Medlock called. And I oh said, um, yeah. how's he doing? So he calls in. He's okay. He's okay. And uh, he calls in. He goes, hey, how you doing? This is uh, Ricky Medlock of Leonard Skinner. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, buddy. Click. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't know he that. calls back and he goes, this is Ricky Medlock again. Can you not hang up on me? I'm like, dude, it's not cool to impersonate people. Okay. Oh, Ricky Medlock ouch. is not. Wait, I said, Ricky Medlock's not calling the 800 number. He goes, Ricky Medlock is calling the 800 number because I don't have any other number. And I'm like, all right, what instrument do you play? 
And he's like, "Is are, are you going to quiz me now? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to quiz you. I'm going to ask you all kinds of questions. And if you don't know the answer, I'm hanging up again. Well, of course, he gets them all right. And we start talking this and that. And that was how Ricky Medlock I love became a guy. friend of the show. But it was hysterical. And I can't tell you how Ricky many people Medlock's have done like that. The greatest guitar- he's one of the greatest guitarists of all time. I mean, this guy, when he's jamming out Freebird, I mean, during that long guitar you know, medley that goes on and on and on and just gets more intense and more intense and more intense. It's amazing to watch. But there's a lot of moments like that, Sean, where like congressmen, senators, uh, football players. uh, I can't even tell you how many people have called the 800 number, you know, and I'm like, it's just bizarre. It's totally bizarre. I want to give people some hope here because people are, you know, worried now about the future. I can feel it. I can't explain why. I just know it. I sense it. I feel it. It's my gut. I've lived through this. 33 years here, 25 years on TV. And there is now, it is percolating and it is beginning to boil and it's going to overflow. And I believe crescendo first in November 2022. If we get these election laws fixed, which now happened in Texas yesterday in case people weren't watching, We have one extra thing to fix in Georgia, that's signature verification, but it's happening also in Pennsylvania, and it's happening in Wisconsin and Michigan and hopefully Arizona, and that is integrity, signature verification, voter ID, chain of custody controls, partisan observers able to observe, updated voter rolls. If we do these things to ensure integrity in our process, we we can fix you know, what is an election system, the last election. Oh, do you saying, Hannity, that it was fraud? I'm saying the laws weren't followed. That's correct. Partisan observers were not allowed to observe. That is a violation of the law. The Pennsylvania Constitution was violated. The, the, read the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Wisconsin's stinging rebuke and dissent about how laws weren't followed in that state. It's interesting. So we got to fix that. And then hopefully we can fix the country. Because I still believe in the dream of America. But for America, this world is going straight to Adam Schiff. And it ain't going to be good. Wrap things up for today. Let not your hearts be troubled. Yeah, they should be. Delta variant, Lambda variant, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, mask mandates. But nothing if you're an illegal immigrant coming through the border because you get special rights that American citizens don't get. Makes no sense. We'll have it all covered. Monday edition on the Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you Monday. Uh, You make this show possible. We never forget it, and thank you for that.